is Michael Cohen, and you're listening to the Mayor Culpa Podcast. As the reality of Donald Trump's indictment settles into the nation's consciousness, the former president is determined to use this opportunity to spread more venom and lies. This week, amongst a litany of other grievances, Trump ominously vowed to appoint a real special prosecutor to go after the Biden crime family, promising to totally obliterate the deep state. According to the Washington Post, Greg Sargent, this was an explicit threat to turn law enforcement loose on political opponents as revenge for his indictment, which he and his supporters dismiss as wholly illegitimate. While this is typical stuff for Trump, who has spent the past seven years painting himself and the entire MAGA movement as victims of a woke, socialist, liberal agenda determined to steal their guns, their country, and put them all behind bars, Trump's GOP rivals have adopted this rhetoric as well. In his Washington Post column today, Sargent writes that there are real-world consequences for the GOP's actions. By endorsing the idea that this mass victimization is real, Trump's rivals could help feed a widespread yearning for mass retaliation under the next GOP president. In the past week, All of the major presidential contenders have staked out similar rhetorical grounds. Former Vice President Mike Pence didn't hesitate to call the charges against Trump serious while also lambasting years of politicization at the Justice Department. South Carolina Senator Tim Scott took things even one step further, saying what we see today across this administration of President Joe Biden is the double standard. That double standard is both un-American and unacceptable. You can't protect Democrats while targeting and hunting Republicans, Nikki Haley, Trump's former ambassador to the United Nations, said. Two things can't be true at the same time. One, the DOJ and FBI have lost all credibility with the American people. The second thing can also be true if this indictment is true, if what it says is actually the case, and that is that President Trump was incredibly reckless with our national security. These folks not only want to have their cake, but they want to eat half while shoving the other fucking half in Trump's face meaning they want to push him under a bus without losing the affection of his MAGA base. The only way to do this is to split the point by insisting that they should blame law enforcement for unfairly targeting them as political prisoners in a war for the soul of this nation. Take all that together and Trump's vow of retribution for his indictment, along with his straddle adopted by non-MAGA candidates, suddenly has deeply unsettling implications, Sargent writes in his column. As the New York Times reports, a movement is afoot among some right-wing thinkers to abandon the norm that the Justice Department operates largely independently of the president and to weaponize it unabashedly for the right. And Trump is not alone in these calls for retribution. 
creepy fucking asshole Ron DeSantis who wants to police what you do inside your own home and who you can love and what you can read has the fucking audacity to also claim that the Justice Department and law enforcement have been weaponized against Republicans. And maybe this fucking asshole should look to see what happened to me and what continues every day to still happen to me. This asshole is seeking retaliation against the Disney Corporation for refusing to bow to his authoritarian demands. And this isn't me editorializing. Disney is literally suing him in federal court and not one to be left behind by the frightening rhetoric of the Mango Mussolini. DeSantis has vowed, if elected, and I quote, to tear down and rebuild both the Department of Justice and the FBI, consulting with experts and members of Congress to develop a day one strategy to end what conservatives see as the weaponization of the Justice Department. Boy, would I give any amount of money to fucking know that Ron DeSantis read my book, Revenge. How Donald Trump weaponized the United States Department of Justice against his critics. Maybe he would think differently. The governor has privately told advisors that he will hire and fire plenty of federal personnel, reorganize entire agencies, and execute a disciplined and relentless strategy to restore the Justice Department to a mission more in line with what the Founding Fathers envisioned. I mean, whatever the fuck that means. The Founding Fathers were worried about a king in tights and farmers. I mean, this whole concept that we can return to that era is just absolutely absurd. But his frightening ambitions go beyond bureaucratic restructuring. He wants to physically remove large swaths of the DOJ from the District of Columbia, including FBI headquarters. We're not going to let all this power accumulate in Washington. We're going to break up these agencies, said DeSantis. Some of the problematic components of the DOJ needs to be uprooted, reorganized, and then promptly shipped to other parts of the country. We've seen throughout this country that the DOJ and the FBI are controlled by one faction of our society, DeSantis said, while pointing out how those agencies were going after pro-life activists wrongfully investigating parents at school board meetings who are concerned about things like critical race theory and forcing kids to wear masks or and colluding with tech companies to censor information such as what they did with the 2020 election. I mean, this guy is just batshit fucking crazy. (laughs) If you were looking to ratchet up the partisan poison in this nation and to create an us versus them paradigm where the right feels victimized, angry, and has the right to fight, You couldn't do a better job than the excrement coming forth from Ron DeSantis' mouth. The man is a fucking bully and a menace who, if elected, would be far more dangerous than Donald Trump, and I can't believe that I'm even saying that. He seems to want a war between liberals and conservatives. By, By saying this crap, he's fucking dialing up the furnace and it's only gonna get worse if this is where we are before the campaign has even begun.
Welcome to the Chicago Board of Trade and the Chicago Mercantile Exchange. In the 1980s, they were the largest financial markets in the world. This guy made two million, this guy made three million, this guy made four million. It was like an ATM machine for uh, traders. Traders were making money hand over fist, and they thought it was their own little secret. Four FBI men wearing wires infiltrated the Board of Trade and the Mercantile Exchange. This lavish and daring undercover operation was the most expensive in the Bureau's history. But was it successful? It all depends who you ask. The FBI used extraordinary means to detect extraordinary fraud. They were down there to expose a big cheating scandal, did they? I don't think they did. From Entropy Media, this is Brokers, Bagmen, and Moles. Available now wherever you listen. And now for the main event. My next guest today on Mea Culpa is none other than Maz Jabrani, the actor and comedian who starred on the Axis of Evil Middle East Comedy Tour, a groundbreaking tour of the United States and Middle Eastern countries, where it sold out 27 shows in Dubai, in Beirut, Cairo, Kuwait, and Amman. The Axis of Evil Comedy Central special premiered in 2007 as arguably the first show on American TV with an all-Middle Eastern American cast. He is also the author of the best-selling memoir, I'm Not a Terrorist, But I Play One on TV. In addition, Maz is a frequent host on NPR's Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me and a popular TED speaker. His latest comedy special, The Birds and the Bees, was filmed at Hollywood's legendary comedy store and is available for download right now on YouTube. And leading up to the election and its aftermath, Jabrani's Twitter feed delivered much-needed laughs during an especially tense time for me as we awaited this nation's fate. Now, as we find ourselves in the deja vu of yet another Donald Trump indictment, it's time to bring him back and to hear his view on what's in store for all of us. So let's go now to that conversation. Okay, so Maz, look, I'm curious if you watched any of the Trump indictment shit show uh, for, that took place, obviously, in Florida. I mean, because I did. And my favorite part was watching Trump standing inside a Cuban restaurant, a famous Cuban restaurant, moments after being read. I mean, could you get a load of this shit? Moments after being read, a 37-count indictment, a 37-count federal indictment that would put him away basically for the rest of his life, all right? All while a group of MAGA sycophants sang happy birthday to him. What do you think is going on in his mind right now? Um, you know, he's doing damage control. He's trying to shake hands, kiss babies. I've actually been to that restaurant, and they make a great cafe con leche. It's really good, but it's a it's a shame that they were there singing for the guy. It's a, You know what I, my favorite was is the drawings. The court drawings are the best because they just show him how miserable he really is, how miserable we really see him because he's just standing there. And it's great to see Donald Trump drawn because then he can't talk. And it's really a nice thing to see, Michael. Just when he's not talking, I'm happy. And I'll be honest with you, the indictment, I didn't watch it as much because the truth is he's getting indicted almost every week now. It's just another Tuesday. 
You know, indict me once, shame on you. Indict me twice, maybe I should stop committing so many crimes. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> that makes a lot of sense to me. But I, I'll tell you this. I also saw the sketches. And I got to be honest with you, the sketch artist is fantastic. The only problem is it's so unrealistic. He's, like, he's got a full head of blonde hair. He's got chiseled <laughs> jaw, right? I mean, they overdid the eyebrows, even though his eyebrows are overgrown. But they gave him a chiseled jaw. Do you see what his neck looks like? Honestly, he's making every Thanksgiving turkey look, I mean, just he's making them jealous, I mean, his neck is now enlarged. His head is enlarged. His hair is obviously disheveled. They made him look like, um, you know, he was 40, <laughs> 40, 50 years old. I think maybe the guy that was drawing him is just sitting there and he's like, look, I got I got limited time. Because he didn't talk. From what I understood, he didn't say a word. Not a is, word. It's that's that's record breaking, Michael. That's record breaking. That right there is a monumental moment in our history when he didn't talk. Matter of fact, somebody was asking me a little while ago. I was talking to somebody and they go, what's the point of having him off Twitter? Like what? You know, this is when he was still off Twitter. They go, you know, what's the you know, what's the point? This is America. It's free speech. I said, I'll be honest with you. I don't know about you. But I said him being on off of Twitter for me has felt like a relief. It's felt like it's felt like he's still screaming, but he's way out somewhere in like Palm Springs or somewhere. And so when he's sitting there and he's not talking, he's I'm telling you, it was it was so nice to, to hear that that's even possible. And now, you know, what, what's been crazy is all the whataboutisms and all that other stuff. Listen, you hold you hold that much guilt. And the truth is, you know him better than most people. And we all know he knows deep down inside, deep down inside, he knows how much, uh, how, how guilty he is of what he's done. So you hold enough guilt in, eventually it's gonna come out in the turkey neck, eventually it's gonna come out in the belly, it's gonna come out in ways that we see physically. And the other thing that's interesting, you were pointing to his physical appearance and I don't wanna make fun of anyone's physical appearance. I'm not the most handsome dude in the world. I got no hair, but the truth is, when I hear his supporters say, oh, Joe Biden's so old, this guy's so young. I go, this guy's like almost 80 years old. And again, don't want to be an ageist here, but he ain't no, he ain't no, uh, uh, you know, uh, spring, spring chicken either. And well, so it's good yeah, it's to not, see. Maz, it's not just that he's not a spring chicken. He's also not the healthiest, despite what, um, you know, he had his doctors say when he was president. He's the healthiest president ever to occupy the White House. I mean, you know, we all know that he's not. Oh, absolutely. Well, that was that goofy doctor of his who's now a congressman. I mean, it's so crazy to see that guy. Remember that guy? He, he used to come out in his admiral's outfit or whatever it was, his, his military outfit. And it was it was again, it's all such a show. It really is. You know, it's almost like the remember that movie, The State of Idiocracy? It was a Mike Judge movie which was all about the future and how dumb we'd become and how it's just one big show. That's really what it is. You know, his doctors are wearing outfits, like, you know, military outfits. And come to find out, it's funny, the first time I saw the guy, I don't even remember his name, uh, the, the, the guy was a, set, uh, a congressman now. The first time I saw him giving that diagnosis of, like he'd given him a physical and he said, oh, this is the healthiest president ever. And I'm watching that guy and I'm going, is this guy a real doctor? And then to flash forward a couple of years and realize this guy was a, you know, a, a numbnut from back then, you know, he was a MAGA numbnut from back then. You go, oh, wow, it all makes sense. Yeah. It all makes sense. It's one big show, Michael. You know that. Yeah. Well, you're talking about um, Ronnie Jackson was the doctor. Yes. And um, yes. I, I just remember 
watching him as he sat there reading it, it was almost like I give him a lot of credit for not breaking out in complete and utter laughter. He just read through it. He needed to do what he was told to do. And it's the same problem that Walter Nada is going to go through. Everybody wants to do for Donald what Donald wants them to do. I don't know. It is his superpower. I got caught up in the same bullshit, you know, that so many of them. The only difference, I tried to warn them. I tried to warn them during my congressional hearings. I tried to warn them when I'm on television. I tried to warn them when I give quotes to journalists uh, for, you know, for um, news articles and so on. But stupid is stupid. And for whatever the reason might be, he has this ability to get people to do things that they know that they should not do. Now, I believe that Nod is in very big trouble. I, I, I do. Um, I am happy to see Evan Corcoran provided his notes. I'm happy you know, to see that so far the court is determining that those notes are not attorney-client privilege communications because they fall, whether under one of several different uh, rules that would permit them to be used, including the crime-fraud exception rule. Donald needs to be held accountable. I don't care what anybody says. He needs to be held accountable. And I love your example. You know, indict me once, shame on you. Indict me twice, shame on me. How about indict me three times, four times, possibly five? Five. It's it's coming. The, the indictments are coming like his tweets. They're coming, Michael. They'll be coming. They'll be arriving, as you know. And Nada, as you said, I don't know. If, I think at some point Nada's got to flip because he's got to realize... He's going to have to see what's in front of him. And as you said, how disloyal this guy is and how he'll throw you under the bus. This whole thing of him saying, oh, I'm going to pardon everybody when I become president, all, all the people. He encouraged those people to show up January 6th and they're all in jail serving time for the guy. It's just the nuttiest thing in the world. It's unbelievable. I've been in conversations with people because I'll say to people, I go, listen, you might be on the right you might be on the left, but we should all agree when someone breaks the law or someone does something that's highly illegal, we should all hold them accountable. If you told me Barack Obama had taken uh, highly classified documents and when they asked for them, he tried to hide them and he asked his his lawyer to kind of make them disappear. I mean, when you read the indictment, it's so funny. He's like, you know, when when he's telling that those journalists, he's like, look, this is classified. I, don't look at it, but it's here. I shouldn't right. have this. And then he has another guy in the room with him. I think it was in Bedminster, wherever he was. He goes, he goes, oh, just stand over there. This is classified documents. So the guy is sick in the head. He's got an ego, and that's what's getting him in trouble. The truth is, if he turned the stuff over, we wouldn't be having this conversation right now. You're so but right. he didn't. You're so right. Yesterday on CNN, uh, I was on with Abby Phillip, and we talked about this because the Washington Post had that article that talks about Donald Trump's refusal to listen to at least one of his counsel who had told him, just turn this stuff over, just give it back. Could you imagine if Donald wasn't the narcissistic sociopath, the egomaniac that he is, that it's my, my, mind. It reminds me of that Bugs Bunny episode, right? I think it was Daffy Duck where they find, um, you know, whatchamacallit, uh, they, they find a treasure and, you know, yeah. and Bugs Bunny's the genie and he's 
pushing him, mine, 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 go, go, go. Mine, mine. I'm a filthy miser, <laughs> right? And, he's, and it reminds me of just, that's the same with Donald. He's a petulant child. No matter how many times you tell him, and that's exactly the line I used last night. No matter how many times you tell this idiot, don't stick your fucking fingers into the electrical socket. You're going to get hurt. And he keeps doing it. And he keeps doing it. And he keeps doing it. And then he gets hurt. And then he says, whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm not supposed to be able to get hurt, right? I'm Donald Trump. Yeah. I'm invincible. I'm the Teflon Don. Well, no, no. Listen, this, this circle of justice is really taking a long time to get to where we're at in terms of accountability. But as I, not only do I say it, but basically everybody says it, the wheels of justice turn slowly. Unless, of course, you're Michael Cohen and you get 48 hours, right? <laughs> Everybody else, yeah. it goes very slow. And what, what do we ultimately find out? That the wheels of justice may turn slow, but it does come full circle. And that's where Donald's at. So my real question to you right, is, what do you think he's thinking right now? How angry? Because you're right, they show him arms crossed. He's got a scowl on his face as if he's going to intimidate the judge. That's really what it's about. You know, when people have their arms folded and you're speaking to them or with them, it's an act of defiance. Again, like my comment about being a petulant child. Yeah, you know, Michael, what's crazy is it's just it's not just him. It's the it's his enablers. It's those around him. It's your it's your uh, McCarthy's and all your all the little all the little uh, 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 lap dogs he's got the Jim Jordans and all these guys. And the excuses that they make, and they and and by the way, they call witch hunt, witch hunt, witch hunt. Listen, when your candidate is committing crimes like he's Tony Montana, yeah, they're gonna come after him. They're gonna come after him. Al Capone, they got on taxes. They're gonna again. It goes back to it's crazy because as a comedian, here's what's interesting because they a lot of times the MAGA right they'll they'll call you snowflake. What are you a snowflake? You can't handle it. You're trying to you're trying to you're living in cancel culture. You can't use words. And then I'll do a joke about Trump and they lose their minds. I just posted this joke I did where I do a joke about um, I talk about during the uh, during the uh, January 6th uh, uh, hearings when Cassidy Hutchinson said that Donald Trump. Now, now, let me tell you something before I even tell you what the joke was. I tried to be even because I knew that the Trump I knew Trump supporters were going to lose their minds. So in the joke, I try to make a joke about Biden as well, just to show that I'm you know going 50 50 here. So it's all about how Cassidy Hutchinson said that Trump choked his Secret Service agent. And one of the observations I made, I said, you know, what's crazy is when Cassidy Hutchinson said that, people on the right were like, no way. And people on the left were like, yeah, way. But I go, as a country, we all heard that Trump might have choked his Secret Service agent. And we were all like, yeah, it's possible. Sure. I mean, that's how crazy the guy is. Because back in the day, if you heard any president, if you heard Dwight Eisenhower choke his Secret Service agent, you'd be like, no, he's a statesman. He would never do that. But with Trump, we're like, yeah, he could have. And then I go, if you heard Biden choke this Secret Service agent, you'd be like, how old was the Secret Service agent? So the joke right there is doing a joke on Biden, doing a joke on Trump. You should see the comments. People are like, how dare you? You should stop making fun of Trump. You were going to get you like we did Budweiser and Target. I'm like, what's you can't even take a joke and you're calling me a snowflake. So it's it's his enablers and the fact that somehow he's got this spell on them that they cannot admit that this guy 
has committed wrong without trying to deflect and say, well, what about Hillary? What about right. Biden? What about Pence? None of those people kept the shit when they were t when they were told to turn it over. That's yeah. a big difference. Yeah, these false equivalencies have really begun to piss me the fuck off, right? Let's even say, let me just go on the limb and say, okay, Bill Clinton took shit he shouldn't have taken, okay? Let's say Hillary Clinton, who was not president, took shit that she should not have had, okay? Let's even say that Barack Obama did it, and so did Joe Biden, and so did Donald Trump, and so on. I get that. Here's the problem with that argument, the way I see it. First and foremost, one, one does not negate the other. Right now, Donald, yeah. it's you that is being charged with 37 counts under a federal indictment. If, in fact, it's determined that Barack Obama has shit and all the way Bush, Clinton, whoever it might be, no problem. They, too, in my estimation, should be charged. Absolutely. I'm not saying that only Donald should be charged with this kind of like what they did to me, right? This whole weaponization of the Justice Department argument that Donald likes to promote, which is a fucking lie, right? How many times, if you read my book, Revenge, you'll understand my anger towards the DOJ, my anger towards so many members of Congress because they refused to open an investigation. And now now they allow Bill Barr on television to sit there, try to bring himself, you know, back to polite society when he has not come clean on anything that he did, whether he did it on his own, whether he did it direction of and for the benefit of and in concert with Donald J. Trump, which I guarantee you he did. Why does he not come clean? Why is nobody asking for him to come clean before he sits there and starts to even castigate Donald for the things that he did? It's absolutely wrong. But my point here is one thing does not negate another. You cannot turn around and say, yeah, but Joe robbed a bank. So therefore, I should be allowed to rob a bank. All right. Mm -hmm. That, uh, you know, that Mary ended up stealing from so-and-so. So I should be permitted to steal. It's not a, it's, there's no equivalency here. Right now, Donald, it's you whose ass is on the, you know, the chopping block. And when you have all of these sycophants sitting there and trying to create some factual equivalency, when there, first of all, there is none. And I want to be clear about that. Donald's charge is obstruction. He knew he had him and refused to return them. If in fact he did, like I talked with Abby Phillip the other day about, if in fact he did, what would we be talking about today? What would we be talking about in the news cycle? Well, hopefully it would be about climate change, immigration, the economy. We'd be talking about, you know, LGBTQ rights. We'd be talking about transgender rights, book banning. We need to be talking about the things, and there's so many, gun violence. I mean, you know, there's so many things that we should be talking about. And if I left something out that somebody feels that I should have said, please understand the show's only an hour, right? There's so much <laughs> that we need to talk about. Here's what we don't need to be talking about. Donald Trump, refusing to turn over documents, completely misstating the Presidential Records Act, listening to people like Mark Levin and Sean Hannity and all of those 
right-wing lunatics that sit there and that they try to create some factual equivalency and then to disregard exactly what Jack Smith put together in this 37-count indictment. It's just stupid. Yeah, and you know, you mentioned uh, Bill Barr. It's, it's crazy because, again, this guy, Donald Trump, has committed so many different crimes and so many different things where we forget. Like right now we're talking about these documents, but it makes you forget his... We're not talking about January 6th. We're not talking about his reaction to COVID when he was like, oh, it'll just disappear in April. We're not talking about a lot of the other stuff that he did trying to get, you know, uh, uh, Zelensky to investigate uh, um, Biden, which is actual, actually trying to use your power to try and go after your opponent, which is what they're accusing Biden of right now. It's crazy. So you end up, we end up in a situation where we're like, we're, we're watching a slime bag like Bill Barr and we're nodding our head going like, yeah, he's making sense. And you forget that he's one of the guys who whitewashed the whole Russia investigation. Or you end up watching a guy like John Bolton. You're like, yeah, he's making sense. And you go, wait a minute, this guy's another. Sli-. You, we're, we're rooting on these slime bags because the, the greatest slime bag has thrown. He's like he's like P.T. Barnum. He's got stuff going on all over the place. The whole again, going back to all the sycophants. We're talking about how they're trying to whitewash this uh, uh, um, the, 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 the document, the indictment that just came down. The attempt, we forgot already the attempt at trying to whitewash January 6th with the Tucker Carlson tapes where Tucker Carlson was showing videotape of like the back door of the, of the Capitol where nothing's happening. He's like, look, nothing's happening. I go, look, if I took a videotape of the 9-11 terrorists as they're walking through the airport drinking a coffee, I'd be like, look, they're just going on a trip. It's not a big deal. So the, the, the attempt to whitewash all this stuff and the attempt to try and, and just deny that this guy's doing all of this illegal stuff, the Republican Party would benefit from really waking up here because the truth is, yes, he might get the, uh, uh, the, the Republican nomination, but I can't see a world in which a guy committing so many crimes, eventually it comes out, you know, as you said, uh, Justice will come through, and there's I can't imagine a world in which he could win the general election. I might be wrong, but I can't imagine that. Now, let's all you know hope and pray that that day never comes. But yeah, I'm I'm with you on this, Maz. I mean, this whole thing, what Trump does and does so well, and his team, the GOP, are great at doing this. They have certain buzzwords, and they make everybody use the same buzzword. Right now, it's weaponization of the Justice Department. And I'm furious. You know, you may remember during my House Oversight Committee, I turned around and I said that there will never be a peaceful transfer of power. Next thing you know, everybody's using, you know, there'll never be a, you know, Donald will never allow a peaceful transfer of power. Okay. Then I put out a book, which all occurred, obviously, the writing of the book occurred well before any of this shit came to fruition. And I said, Donald Trump, right? weaponized the United States Department of Justice against his critics. Speaking of myself, an unconstitutional remand. I keep asking, please get the book, read it. And if you don't like to read, listen to it, because it'll explain to you just exactly how dangerous another 
four or potential eight years of Donald Trump could be to the democracy of this country. People don't seem to say, yes, thank you, Michael, for everything you're doing. Stand tall, stay strong, blah, blah. You have no idea how soul-crushing this journey is. I lay it out. I lay it out with specificity in this book for the sole purpose of showing you exactly what an authoritarian individual, a mentality like what Donald Trump has, can do to our democracy. We've already seen now the termination of Roe versus Wade through the Dobbs decision. How many more 50-year-old starry decisis decisions do you want to see, you know, fleeing? How many people want to see their daughters or granddaughters, right, or, or great-granddaughters, have less rights than their mothers, grandmothers, great-grandmothers. Because that's what, we're, that's what we're heading to. And it's really, truly dangerous. But all of this shit that they're doing by using, oh, Biden administration weaponizing the Justice Department, this is all a smokescreen to move the conversation off of Trump and his crimes and to create a scenario where it's all about Joe Biden wanting to jail his political opponent in the run-up to the 2024 election. Do me a favor. Give me your give me your position on that. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And you know what's I think one of the reasons why the Republicans continue to defend this guy. Clearly he's got the the base, the MAGA base. I mean, these people a lot of the real real hardcore base are pretty cuckoo. I mean, I, I and I and I hope I'm not offending somebody who goes I I support him because of taxes or whatever, tax breaks. But the truth is, if you watch the rallies, they all show up in in costumes. I've never been to a I've never put on a costume to go to any rally, Michael. You know, these people show up with like, you know, embroidered, yep. you know, Donald Trump looking like he's Rocky Balboa or Rambo, whatever. It's just the craziest shit. So we know these people are nuts. But the truth is what you just got at was you've got this Ginny Thomas right wing you know, religious types who want something else for this country, who really live in this fear. You know, a lot of it comes from fear and and um, insecurities, right? Because you want, when you are that deep in uh, um, inside a cult or a religion of some sort, that gives you some level of security because it goes, oh, this is all, there's a big meaning. At some point, Jesus is going to come down and the world's going to blow up but I'll go to heaven. Like, that's really what the answer is in some of these people's minds. So these are the people that turn their their eye to the other side when Donald Trump's committing all these crimes or when Donald Trump is, you know, sexually harassing women or when he's going after immigrants. If you're really that religious, you should be on the side of the immigrants as opposed to on the side of some, some autocrat who's putting babies yeah. in cages, right? And so... I was born in Iran, all right? I was in Iran before the Islamic Revolution happened. And there was problems at that time in Iran, but it was not at all what it is now once a religious government took over. Once the Islamic Republic became the Islamic Republic of Iran and it became a religious government, the first group they went after was women, women's rights. Cover yourselves. Men, you wear whatever you want. Women, cover yourselves up. Women, you are no longer the value, the same value as a man when we go to court. Women, you have a lot of rights taken away. Second group, LGBTQ. Third group, religious minorities. And on and on and on. And I tell people all the time, I go, look at Iran as a cautionary tale. Before the Islamic Republic took over, 
there was problems, but there was it was a lot yep. freer than it is now. I said, now you've got a minority that took over. And exactly what you just said, Michael, just last year, you know, you do a poll, a majority of Americans are pro-woman's choice. Yeah. And these guys figured out a way to take that away. And as soon as in that decision, Clarence Thomas comes out and says, oh, we're going to look at gay marriage next. So you might blink your eyes and you end up with an autocrat and you end up with these people that are enabling him and all your rights would be taken away. You're absolutely right, Michael. It's it's it really is important for people to pay attention and get rid of this bozo and get rid of this movement. Yeah. I mean, look, you know, you're you're so right to use Iran as a comparison under the Shah. Women had rights. You know, um, there was there was um, free religious expression um, under uh Pahlavi, right? I mean, there was, there was, there wasn't anti-Semitism, right? I mean, now there's, I don't think there's a single Jew that would live in Iran. I don't think they can. Uh, I mean, you know. well, there are no, actually, actually, Iran does have, still has, there's actually Jews that still live there. Believe it or not, a bigger persecuted religious minority in Iran are the Baha'is. Yes. Yep. And so, yep. and, but you're absolutely right. Before the, before the revolution, Again, there were problems. You know, the Shah was, you know, he was a king and there was every, like, he had a secret police, all that has, stuff. Every country yeah. has its problems. But you're right. Because yeah. when it became a theocracy, that, that's yeah. when women lost their, their rights. They can't drive. They can't vote. They become like chattel. I, I, know, I know we always say this, right? Yeah, but we're America. We're, we're America. Yeah. Well, they were, they were Iran. Right. I mean, yes, it's yeah. not it's not the same. Oh, yeah, we're you know, we're the biggest economy in the world. It doesn't mean shit. When you turn a government yeah. into a theocracy, that's OK. Rights can go LGBTQ, transgender, women's rights, right to um, right, right to marry who you, you like, same sex marriage, um, interracial marriage. All this will go because that's what this southern white christian coalition wants and as far as if you're a minority black brown i don't know you may end up losing your right to vote why well because you don't really vote for the you know for this theocracy you're not voting for this uh autocrat it's it's very very scary and like you I warn my listeners, it's why I, on every one of my podcasts, whether it's Maya Culpa, this one, or Political Beatdown, I say to everybody, you make sure that you vote. If you're not registered, you're an ass, all right? If your next door neighbor isn't registered, you make sure that person is completely registered and ready to go because there's so many, so many bad people that are right now in our government from the Marjorie Toilet Greens to the Ted Cruz's, these, these, I don't even know what to call them, these far right wing loonies. All right. They legitimately don't give a shit about anyone or anything. They only care about their own power and whatever their theocratic positions are. And it's really bad. But you know what I, you know what, Miles, you know what I can't figure out? And I really need to, I need your help on this one. We could yeah. have a little humor with it, which I'm so happy to have you on again. If Trump actually goes to prison, does he lose his Secret Service detail? Or do you think they have to go to prison with him? I mean, can you imagine the agents who draw that assignment, right? First, you have to take a bullet for him, right? I mean, he's the president, former president. That's their job, and they are sworn to uphold that. But now you're being asked to make sure that this fucker doesn't get shanked in the shower. 
I mean, what do you think happens here? <laughs> well, it's clear, Michael. I mean, if he goes to the prison, he's going to be protected by the Aryan nation because that's his team. He's going to end up being in there with a bunch of those skinhead Nazis who are going to love him. It's going to be the Proud Boys. It's going to be the, the Oath Keepers. That's his group, you know. That's, he's, he's the leader of that of that group. He doesn't need the Secret Service anymore. Now he's in his actual gang. He's uh, <laughs> uh, uh, American History X, like in, uh, in, uh, with uh, the, the Ed Norton character. You know, it's crazy, Michael, because as you're talking about all this stuff, I thought about that. I was like, is this going to be the first president who's going to give his State of the Union address from a telephone in Sing Sing or wherever the hell they send this guy? I mean, can you imagine if you had to be like, and now the president of the United States, and then they go, you just get a nice shot with the bars, and he's got the phone, or one of those, you know, the, the little screen, and he's going like, my fellow Americans, you know, State of Union is looking great. I'm not looking good, but the State of Union is looking great. And then I mean, all of a sudden, and then all of a sudden, you have an interruption. This is a call. This is a call from the Federal Correctional <laughs> Institution. <laughs> exactly. We got to, the taxpayers got to pay those exorbitant, uh, you know, uh, jail phone prices to hear the president talk. 25 right, every cents once a minute. A <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's, a good, you, man, that's a good crazy. point. Yeah, it's crazy. It's going to cost us more. That's going to take the budget up. You know, it's it's uh, it's just really nutty, man. And, and And what you were talking about, it's crazy because... They've really turned this. You go after minority. You're making a culture war, right? It's like the reason why the uh, um, Nazi Germany w worked for Hitler was because he was able to turn his country against the minority, the Jews. And in this case, we see them. Th they keep throwing shit against the wall. It was first like, oh, critical race theory. Let's go after black people. You don't want you don't want people to learn about the black history, right? You know, people were they were saying, oh, if white kids are taught that, you know, white kids are going to feel bad if they're taught that, that they, you know, that they did slavery. And I'm like, the kids didn't do slavery. The white kid's going to learn that his great-grandfather was an asshole. That's all, you know? The white kids and the black kids are getting along. It's the great-grandparents that were assholes. And now they're going after this whole, oh, they're teaching our kids LGBTQ in the school. Because, again, it's a, if you look at the number of transgender people in America, it's like around a million, right? If you look at the... And they're saying that the, the transgender people are trying to convert their kids to become transgender. If you look at the evangelicals in America, there's like 100 million. And their stated goal is to convert people. So if anyone's trying to convert anybody, it's evangelicals, not transgender. And by the way, if you're afraid that your kid's going to learn, quote unquote, you know, in quotation marks, learn to become gay because they're teaching about tolerance in schools and the LGBTQ community, I keep saying, I go, if you want your kids not to, quote unquote, become gay, you should want the schools to teach them. Because if there's one thing we know about American kids, they hate learning. Like we're we're ranked 90th out of 80 countries in math. So right. if you want your kids not to learn to be gay, you should try to teach them to be gay. They're going to come home and be like, I was going to be gay, but now I got to learn about it. Oh, forget it. So the whole point is they're going after all of these cultural you know, the culture wars, because they know that they can, again, it's the shiny object when they have no solutions, Michael. You brought up the list of things that we should be talking about right now in this country, and they just keep yelling about immigration and the economy and inflation and all that. And you go, well, what's your solution? They go, oh, uh, you're teaching my kids to be gay. It's the stupidest shit in the world, man. Yeah. But, you know, you bring up that point, and, you know, as the son of a Holocaust survivor, I hate I, I hate even mentioning the name Hitler, 
um, let yeah. alone comparing anyone to that rancid sack of shit. But I have to be honest with you, and there's been countless, countless articles comparing Donald Trump's rhetoric to the same rhetoric of Adolf Hitler. From the moment that Trump announced his candidacy in 2015, what did he do? He stoked fear and resentment and hatred, basically creating scapegoats in order to gain supporters because he needed to find someone in order to, right, to blame for all of our existing problems. Whatever your hatred, whatever your racist, sexist, misogynistic, xenophobic, homophobic, Islamophobic, anti-Semitic views are, he needed to find those people. Remember, the very first things out of his mouth when he was talking about Mexicans and shame on even, for example, the Cubans that are supporting him or anybody who's Spanish speaking for that matter. Mexicans are what? They're criminals, they're drug dealers, they're rapists. Then what did he else, what else did he then do? He then promised to ban Muslims from coming into our country. He's going to try to ban a religion from coming to our country. I mean, it's just, it's crazy. He then basically engaged in, you know, race baiting, um, siding with white supremacist Jews will not replace us. But don't worry, there's good people on both sides. No, Donald, there isn't. I mean, what was Adolf Hitler? Adolf Hitler was a fucking white supremacist who scapegoated not just Jews. Plenty of Christians died too. Plenty of, of gay people died also. Mental, uh, you know, people who um, were mentally incapacitated, right? Um, you know, they killed all of these people. They were unwanted. And, and so, you know, he needed to scapegoat everybody else in order to justify why, you know, Germany and why Eastern Europe was going through the economic problems that they were going through. I mean, he is, as is Donald, an authoritarian. And the one thing that he, Trump also learned from Hitler's behavior is the first thing you do is you attack the news. There is no legitimate news unless it's my news, right? Accurate reporting of Trump has always been referred to as what? Fake news. The same lines. There are so many similar fake like, uh, lines that Hitler used that Donald copied. And it's, it's me. I was watching this thing on National Geographic called the Hitler Tapes. And it literally... If you watch it, you start to hear um, witch hunt. That's another Adolf Hitler word. I mean, it's, it's very, very scary. Now, look, let me ask you this then, because there's been a lot of speculation that Jack Smith made a mistake in having this trial take place in Florida. I'm not of agreement with that, by the way. But first off, he's able to, I mean, he was able through sheer luck, and I'm talking about Donald, to draw his favorite judge in the case, Judge Eileen Cannon. Mm. But mainly because it's Florida. I mean, do you think that there are 12 impartial jurists, one of which will not be a MAGA fanatic there in South Florida that's willing to hold Donald Trump accountable? Yeah, you know, when I saw that uh, Eileen Cannon or Aileen Cannon, however you pronounce however her name, pronounce got it, the, I don't care. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on, Aileen. Oh, I swear by all mean. Um, <laughs> as soon as I heard that she got it, I go, oh, no. You know, I was like, the fix is in. And then, and then I go, look, if the pillow guy ends up on the jury, then we really have the fix is in. 
You know, can you imagine if you look over and there's the pillow guy holding a pillow in the jury? Yeah, fortunately, uh, he's from Minnesota, is, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just I'm, I'm saying he's just a, I just like saying the pillow guy. Um, but but the truth is, listen, there's a couple of things here at hand. One is I've Michael, I don't know if you've had conversations with people that then surprised you. I was recently in Colorado with some people, you know, in their in their 30s. And I was and I was talking about Lauren Boebert, and this is in Colorado, in Denver. And the person goes, "Who?" I go, "Lauren Boebert, that congresswoman here that keeps spewing, you know, just dumb shit." And they're like, "I don't know who that is." And it made me realize some people aren't paying attention to the stuff that you and I are. Those are the people that we're trying to shake and be like, "Wake up and register to vote," because shit's going to hell. And so it's possible, especially in Florida, it's possible that there's some people who don't pay attention. Now, that said, of course, it's impossible to not know who Donald Trump is. You'd have to really have come out of, you know, a, a coma after eight years, um, which, by the way, would be quite a shock when you're like, wait a minute, that guy, the guy from Home Alone with the cameo, that guy became the thing, <laughs> the president. Um, yeah. But the truth is, you know, it's possible that you find some people who don't know as much about this particular case because the truth is, you know, if you're listening to just sound bites, depending on which news organization you're listening to, if you're listening to Fox and all the right wing news organizations, you're going to go into it thinking like, oh, like you were saying, it's a false, false equivalency that, oh, this guy, you know, everyone out, all presidents do this. He didn't do anything wrong. But if you're someone who's not listening to the news and just heard that, th that Trump is indicted on these document charges and then they come into court court and Eileen Cannon doesn't do something to put her thumb on the scale um and you actually are presented with the case that's why you got both you know these 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 slime bags like Bill Barr and a few others even Mike Pence and 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 Pompeo and these guys saying oh this is serious shit because once you start listening to it you go oh this is serious shit because the next level to bring in is and this is where Americans are all patriotic if you go listen the documents he had was putting at risk the lives of American soldiers. It was putting at risk the lives of Americans who are working overseas to make America a safer place. So once you start playing that card and you start driving that point home and the fact that the difference is that he wasn't giving it back and he wanted to hide it, he wanted to keep it, I personally feel that even if you're someone who was like, oh, I like Donald Trump, you go, oh, shit, he really, you know, if you're going to be an impartial juror. So, you know, it falls on, on, on them to hopefully pick jurors that, that are impartial in that case. And then, and then the other hope that we have is that if Eileen Cannon does start trying to tip the scale, that either the 11th Circuit comes in like they did before and they, and they recuse or reprimand her. I don't know if that's legally the, the way it would work. Or the Justice Department goes, yo, you can't be doing this. This, this lady is a joke, too. She's clearly a, a MAGA uh, a loyalist. So, look, if I can, I'd like to even expand on your comment about how the documents that were in his possession that he was waving around and showing could put our military, our people overseas in jeopardy. I would like to expand it and say to each and every individual listening to this program, it's not just overseas. It's not just our military. It's you. All right? It's you. You have no idea what those documents say. 
their nuclear secrets, their secrets that dealt with Iran, their secrets that maybe dealt with Israel. I mean, there's a whole lot of speculation in terms of the various documents because nobody's really allowed to talk about them. But, you know, some reporting has come out. Whatever it is, if it slightly increases the possibility that there could be an attack again on American soil, and this could be you, it could be your loved one. Think twice, stupid, all right? Whether or not it's okay for Donald to be waving around these top secret documents, you know, especially ones that are nuclear, because, you know, I don't have to tell, I don't have to remind people on the devastation that a nuclear attack in the United States could cause. I mean, it makes you, it makes your stomach hurt even thinking about it. So I would go right to the core of people and say, I, don't, I know you don't care about anyone or anything other than Donald and yourselves. So let's break it down this way. What he did puts you, your family, your children, your kids, your grandkids, your great-grandkids, future generation of your family all at risk. Now what? Absolutely. And you know, Michael, it's interesting because he's already done it. See, the problem is his, his followers really think he's a smart guy. You and I both know he's not. He's like the least uh, suave. He's, he's not at all a, an international statesman whatsoever. Remember when Comey was fired, the next day he had the Russian ambassador uh, in, the white, in, the, in the Oval Office, and he said something. I forget what he said, but somehow it outed some operation we had going with, with Israel. Israel. It and, had to do with he, yeah, he showed him plans that uh, things that they were working on with Israel. Moron. Yeah, this guy's a dumb dumb. This guy's the Mr. Bean of presidents. This guy's the Inspector Clouseau. This guy's the Benny Hill of presidents. He has no idea. He's not at all uh, a suave, slick statesman. Who knows? Even, listen, even if your ego tells you, I want to show off that I just fired Comey to these guys, for whatever reason you have an ego, if you have an an iota of international relations intelligence, you'd be like, hey, I fired Comey, and that's all I'm going to say. There's other things I want to tell you, but I can't tell you. Like, just say that. But he he's so dumb that he's going around because his ego is bigger than anything else, right? So as you said, what's not to say that we still, by the way, we just know those couple of examples of him waving papers at people going, look at what I got. I got plans to attack Iran and I got a map of some other nuclear, some other thing, but we don't even know what else he actually Man. was doing. Can you Man, imagine this no. guy's, his no. ego's so big. You know how many times, I bet you there was times at Mar-a-Lago where there was some big shot who showed up and he was like, hey, Johnny, come here for a second. Let me show you what I got. And took him in the room and was showing him certain things we don't even know about. Dude, That's what an so, idiot this guy He's is. so dumb. He failed his urine test. That's how fucking dumb he is. So speaking of looks, let's great. speak. Let's speak about another asshole here. Um, you're right, and I'm I'm curious. You know your take on Governor Ron, um, just snot nose oh. over there, right? Just sanctimonious, just snot nose, the shithead, whatever they want to call him. I mean, because he seems to revel in being an authoritarian asshole. I mean, he's be he's been described by so many. As Trump with discipline. Personally, I got to be honest with you, this guy fucking frightens me. All right? Because yeah. I think he believes most of the shit that comes out of his mouth. 
I'm curious from a comedic point of view, if he was to ultimately occupy the White House, what opportunities do you think he presents to the comedic world? Well, you know, he is a dictator, so I don't think there's going to be much opportunity because he's going to round up all the comics and just put them in jail. I mean, that's what Trump wanted to do. Trump was sitting there talking about, you know, Stephen Colbert and talking about Jimmy Kimmel. And, yeah, and, and Alec was, Baldwin. Was, yeah, trying to get like his DOJ to go after people. I mean, it, it, you're, you, <laughs> you know you're lost when you're trying to get your, you know, the, the executive branch to go after comedians. That's a pro, That's a huge. That, that's where we really are becoming a third world nation and a banana republic. I mean, that's just what it is. And DeSantis, you're absolutely right. He's a little more of a disciplined Trump, but he's the most unlikable. Nope. I mean, it's interesting because we'd heard we'd seen him in Florida where he was surrounded by his sycophants, and he would say, you know, all this totalitarian shit like, oh, we're going after gays, and you can't say gay, and you can't say. It's critical race theory. He was going, he was doing all that, you know, all that cultural stuff, uh, culture wars. But now that he's announced, you and I, we've seen the videos a few times where he's just seething. You know, his wife said something the other day and he was standing beside her looking and he's look, he just looked pissed. It's just, these people are the worst of the worst. And the problem is he's going to get his ass kicked by Donald Trump in a debate because none of these guys have the balls to actually step up. Even Mike Pence the other day when he said, oh, you know, these documents really are, uh, 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 these were top secret documents and they shouldn't have been held on by the president. And then he goes, that said, you know, I can't believe that Biden is using his DOJ to go after him. So these guys don't have the balls to actually step up. I mean, the only one I see right now maybe is Christie. Chris Christie's ready to say something. Yeah, Mitt but Romney also point, has been out there saying Mitt some Romney, stuff. Yeah, um, yeah, I mean, even yeah. Nikki Haley was weak on her response and so on. But I bring up uh, DeSantis simply because this fucking asshole, and there's no other way to describe him, sent a busload of migrants from yeah. Florida to Los Angeles. I mean, this is the new thing that these asshole right-wing governors like to do. I mean, they're shipping human beings to states where there's actually, I mean, it's, you know, there's some compassion for these folks. It seems that using vulnerable migrants to score cheap political points on Fox News, right? It's, it's first of all, it's a pretty shitty thing to do, and it doesn't really make you look like an authoritarian hardliner, but for them, it builds up their base. Their base is eating this shit up. Yeah, take that fucking migrant and send them someplace, right? And just drop them off like they did here in New York or in D.C. or wherever. Open up the door, tell them to get off and say, knock yourselves out, folks. Do me a favor. What's your point? What's your point of view on this? You're absolutely right. You know, it goes back to what I said, the culture wars. Who do you go after? You go after minority. You go after those that can't defend themselves. Can you imagine if they did that with the white supremacists who are actual threat to America? Can you imagine if they rounded up a bunch of Proud Boys and Oath Keepers and shipped them off to Guantanamo Bay or somewhere where they should be? Can you imagine the the... The, the the pushback from, you know, white conservatives going like, what are you doing? This is this is not to do just. I mean, that's basically what January 6th is. We arrested people who stormed the Capitol illegally. They were not tourists. They're now in jail the way they should be. And you got Marjorie, whatever her name is. Toilet. And, and all these other. Yeah, Marjorie Toilet Green. I love it. That's a great name. 
um, and and the others showing up at the jail going like, these people are being held, uh, they're political prisoners. And so that just shows you right there the hypocrisy, right? We actually put these people who attacked the Capitol, we gave them a fair trial, they've been convicted, they're in jail, but in the eyes of the far right, those people are being persecuted. Meanwhile, these immigrants who've come to our country, and by the way, when you come as a political, if you're seeking political asylum, that's legal immigration in America. If you come to the border and say, I'm being persecuted in my country, this country has a system that's supposed to accept you. So when they then get shipped to somewhere else, these same people who are complaining about their white brothers and sisters in jail, they cheer this dehumanization of sending these, like you said, human beings to another state as a political ploy. And by the way, Let's admit it. Yes, the immigration system is broken. It needs to be fixed, but no 100%. one's... That's the problem. They, they they keep complaining, but they have no solutions. I heard somebody just one time on the radio make a good point. They go, one thing we could do that really could help part of the this, this immigration problem is if we gave re-entry visas to people who want to come over the border to work and then go back, if it, that became... Because a lot of people feel like once they get in, they can't go back. We've seen it a lot of times. Just anecdotally, we have... Friends that go, oh, no, I send the money back home, but I can't go back home. Yeah, they want to see their family. They'd like to go home. The immigration system's right. broken. It is. But I will say a couple. Of, and, and by the way, the other thing I'll say, Michael, as an immigrant, I just want to remind people. One of the reasons I called my Netflix special Immigrant was because I wanted people to see that the immigrants that come to this country, a majority of them end up doing good for this country. You wouldn't have Silicon Valley the way it is right now if it weren't for immigrants. You wouldn't have people, you know, you wouldn't have your fruits. Who's picking your fruits? They're taking your jobs? No, you bozo. You're a lazy son of a bitch who doesn't want to go do the jobs. So these people that are coming over here, we need them for our economy. We need them for our country. And and the the the, the stunts that DeSantis polls i just hope karma exists michael and i hope that 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 you know he just gets nonstop diarrhea yeah amen to that but i'm with you the immigration <laughs> system is broken look my dad's an immigrant you know um you know came to this country to teach actually head and neck reconstructive surgery at downstate met my mom who was a surgical nurse they got married four kids lawyers american dream right? Holocaust survivor. My wife is an immigrant from Ukraine. I mean, I get it. I totally get it. You know, they don't have to be, immigrants don't have to be considered just to pick your fruit. You know, my dad was a head and neck reconstructive surgeon, you know, retired now, you know, but yeah, many people benefited from his surgical skills as are, you know, plenty of doctors. I mean, I think the top doctor um, cardiologist here in New York is actually Iranian. I mean, you know, also, you know, an immigrant. There are plenty of immigrants that are doing some great things. Does that mean our system isn't broken? It most certainly is. Somebody has to take this challenge on and figure it out instead of kicking the can down the road and then blaming the previous administration for doing it. But I want to talk about another asshole here. And it's, you know, and I'm talking about Cancun Ted, right? Because earlier this week, Ted Cruz went on Fox News. And he goes on Fox News and he takes aim at Attorney General Merrick Garland, someone who I take aim at all the time, but for different reasons. But Ted goes on and says that he only indicted Trump based on personal grudge for not being confirmed as a Supreme Court justice. 
It's a fucking lie. It's insane. It's again more propaganda, more bullshit. Absolutely under it's absolutely untrue altogether. But yet now you have a senator coming out and making these statements on a major news outlet. What's your point? What I mean, what, give me your give me your take on this. It's the stupidest shit I've ever heard. Ted Cruz just says dumber and dumber shit. Where I'm, I'm, I'm not kidding here, Michael. Every time I hear Ted Cruz talk, I have to go online and I got to Google again to make sure he went to Harvard. I'm like, how did this idiot, this dumbass, how did Harvard, like, if I were Harvard right now, I'd be given the degree back and be going like, listen, we need to take our degree back. Like, you can't, we can't be associated with this guy. This guy is the worst of the worst. I remember he got close, man. Can you imagine if we, you go back to what you said earlier, vote, vote, vote. Can you imagine if just enough Texans had voted for, uh, 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 what's his name? Um, uh, O'Rourke. Um, Beto O'Rourke. Uh, yeah, for Beto O'Rourke to beat him, it was very close. It was like a few percentage points. I mean, the world, I mean, Texas would be a different place. He, Beto, I guarantee you, Beto O'Rourke wouldn't have gone to Cancun when his, when his state was freezing. I guarantee you he wouldn't be on the networks spewing all this bullshit. I guarantee you when there's mass shootings in Texas, he wouldn't be saying, oh, we need to send our thoughts and prayers. He'd actually be getting shit done. And Ted Cruz does not get anything done. Ted Cruz is sitting there trying to find angles to feed his you know far right supporters and it's it's true you know the 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 issue is sometimes people sometimes will excuse these guys by saying like oh he's just giving his opinion well the problem is that they have people that listen to them their words mean something so whoever's watching him on fox is nodding his head going yeah merrick garland's going after trump because they didn't they didn't approve him no if anything if merrick garland wants to go after someone for not approving him he should be indicting uh, Mitch McConnell. That's who we should be well, indicting. First of all, not like, Donald Trump. Yeah, I don't. I don't mean to to bust into into your into your response here, but it wasn't Merrick Garland. Merrick Garland yeah. appointed a special counsel. All right, it's yeah. not Merrick Garland. I mean, it's funny that they say that. And again, your your point is so well taken. You have these wackadoodles that are these Trump supporters, every one of them to me looks like they're like a, um, a cast member of Boogie Nights. They all have the, you know, the porn stash, the 1970s porn stash. They have the mullet. They dress like they came out of the 70s. You know, I mean, they, they're just fucking weird people. But yeah. whole, this is not a Merrick Garland thing. In fact, there were 23 members of the grand jury that are the ones that, you know, signed off on the, you know, on the indictment. So it's the whole thing with Ted Cruz. And you're right. Sometimes you scratch your head and you say, could this guy really have gone to fucking Harvard? It's truly hard to imagine. You know, what's also hard to imagine is the fact that the GOP, who looks like they're taking some baby steps to break away from Trump. You know, you, there's what now, 18 people? so far that have entered the race, including most recently the mayor uh, of Miami. Um, yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. And, I mean, you know, there's, it's just, do you think at some point in time, Maz, that they will make a complete break from Trump? Or do you think that the marriage to Trump is just too sick, too codependent, too based upon 
funding and raising money and shit like that? Well, listen, first of all, let's not forget uh, most of these guys badmouthed Trump before he created this base of his. So even guys like Ted Cruz and Rubio, Rubio was like, oh, we can't. If Trump is our guy, it's going to be ruining our uh, it's going to ruin our party. These guys all badmouthed them until they saw that all the cuckoos were showing up and voting. And they were like, oh, we love this guy. So they got in bed with him. And I'll be honest with you, Michael, I had a moment of hope after January 6th. If you're not going to turn on this guy after January 6th, if you don't have enough of a spine to go this guy, we we had an attempted coup in America. If one or two things had gone just a little differently, they would have hung Mike Pence. They would have, you know, scalped Nancy Pelosi. They were out there to do this. And these people weren't you know, critical thinkers who were there saying, like, we just want to talk to Mike Pence and Nancy Pelosi. No, these people were the were the crazy dudes who we see, you know, the, the survivalists who got the truck and they got all the cans in their cars and they've been waiting for this moment. And they all showed up that day. And for the Republicans not to turn around and go, yo, that's just the bridge too far, dude. And it just, you know, in other in many other countries, this guy would already be in jail with all of his co-conspirators. And yet, He's not not only is he not in jail, but now he's the front runner of this party. So that just goes to show you where the party's gone and where there's no cojones anywhere to call him out on what he's done to America and to distance themselves. Lindsey Graham, Jelly Lindsey, oh. sitting there, you know, in the remember he was in, 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 in Congress going in the Senate going, well, you know, you, I, you did this and I was with you. You did this. Uh, but once you did January 6th. Oh, that's that's too far. And then the next week is like, I love this guy. Bunch yeah. of spineless mofos. And I, I don't think, I think the only way the guy goes down is A, these indictments, and B, public opinion really realizing, like, and we already have enough people to realize, like, one of the things he says, Michael, he always goes, I got more votes than any sitting president ever did. I go, yeah, asshole, you also inspired enough more votes against you i think people woke up when they realized what what you know what danger this country was in and so i think that's going to be his downfall is the realization by more and more people the theme that i feel the motif of this episode is register to vote get your neighbors to register to vote and even when we vote they're going to try and take that away from us so be vigilant so, look, the hour goes by very quick, Maz. Last question for you, because I hear this all the time from people on both sides, Republicans, Democrats, obviously independents as well. How did we as America end up in a situation where the leaders of the two dominant political parties in the country are both almost 80 years of age? Right. I mean, between the two of them, when it comes time for election, will be combined over 160 years of age. Now, look, I know everybody says that 80 is the new 60. Right. And that folks are living longer and more productive lives. But truth be told, and I'm a big fan of Joe Biden's. He does look old. He does. Right. Trump looks old doesn't look like the Donald I used to sit across the table. All right. He looks old. I mean, 
Is there seriously no one else capable of surviving our tainted political process that we're left with, you know, two guys, both 80 years of age? I mean, look, I want to be clear about this. And I say this to everybody. Biden is a decent, decent man. He's a truly great leader. I love Many of the things that I am not 100% in the camp of every single thing that Joe Biden does, nor am I supposed to be. What I do is I look at the totality of what he's done. Does it comport with my moral compass? Do I like him as a, as a leader? And the answer is he's a decent man. He's an honorable man. He's a compassionate man. All the things that Donald is not. All right. And he drives a Corvette. So I think that's really cool. But let's be serious for a second. All right. Both parties need new blood. What do you think stopping the next generation from entering the races? Now, again, Republicans, I think there's already 18, 19 people that have stated they want to run for the presidency. Chances are they're not going to get past Trump with his, you know, MAGA base. Same thing for the Democrat side. Do we really, is this the best that America can do right now? Would be a Biden Trump too? You know, Michael, it blows my mind all the time. And again, I'm all for, you know, older people continue to be active. I want, I want my mom. I want my grand, you know, if you have grandparents, you know, make them active, have them be, you know, keep working if they got a job that they like, uh, volunteer, exercise all of the above but if your job is to be president i agree with you it's it's a there should be job, an age man. limit it's a it ain't no joke man you got to be up all the time you got to be doing you know you you, you got to be sharp and you're right as you get older and in congress too we see like your you know your diane feinsteins to your chuck grassley's i don't care what side you're on we need age limits because a big part of it is listen as you said it's a big country there's 300 and some odd million people and the two that we come up with are this old. I mean, it's just you're, you're out of touch with what's going on with modernity. Now, now, the key is it's who they surround themselves with. And as you said, I'm like you. I'm willing to be critical of stuff that Biden does, but I'm also going to give him props on stuff Damn he does. Damn straight. Let's face it. Yeah, he's the first guy who got the infrastructure bill passed. He's the guy who got this uh, the, the gay marriage equality thing done. He's the guy actually who told Obama back then, to support the gay marriage stuff. So he's uh, environmentally, he's trying to do stuff to, ha- to move us forward. Now, is that going to happen overnight? No, it's going to take time. So the people that he's got on his team, I believe, are a good group. And as you said, as a voter, you and I and others got to sit there and go, I stand for X, Y, and Z. Therefore, I'm going to vote for this person. But yeah, I mean, we've talked about, you know, people talk all the time. They're like, how about DeSantis versus Newsom? How about uh, John Stewart throwing his hat into the race? How about all these other people that could possibly be younger and a little more agile, as you said? And the, and the irony of it all, Michael, is when you talk to a Trump supporter and they go, yeah, well, Biden's old. I go, yeah, you idiot. So is Trump. Right. Trump ain't. He's just a couple years younger, and the and well, he looks perfectly healthy. Really, he looks, you know, because he says camera, man, woman, television. It's the dumbest shit in the world. It really is. This guy has this spell over these people. I would respect a Trump supporter more if they said, "Listen, he's old, but he's my old guy. 
I right. prefer my old guy over your old guy. I'd be like, at least you're admitting. Or if, he, if, or if the person says, listen, the guy's a criminal. Yeah, he's the Charlie Man. He's the white collar Charlie Manson, but Charles Manson. But I, 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 he's my guy. I would, I would respect a person more if they came at me with the truth as opposed to drinking the Kool-Aid that somehow Donald Trump is young and virile and smart and knows what he's doing and his intelligence got him to where he is. It's the dumbest shit you've ever heard. Yeah. And um, yeah, I, I do hope we find some young blood in the near future to get into these races because you know that's one of the things with Obama. Obama at least was age-wise, you could relate to him a little bit more. And I think he could relate to you know, the American population a little more. Yeah, I agree with you. Maz, thank you, my brother, for joining me as always. Your insight, your perspective, truly appreciate it, uh, especially the comedic side, even though there's sadly nothing funny going on right now. So you stay safe, my friend, and hope to have you back real soon. Thank you for having me. It's great seeing you, man. Be well. I love the show. Thank you, pal. And now for today's mea culpa. There's an ancient Chinese curse that when translated read, and I quote, May you live in interesting times. Beyond any shadow of a doubt, we have gone beyond interesting into the realm of the fucking strange. A former president has been indicted for hoarding state secrets, and instead of treating him like a fucking pariah, half of this nation is hoisting him on their shoulders and treating him like a martyr. This idea that somehow Donald Trump is a victim of the weaponized Justice Department is patently absurd and fucking laughable. But now that Trump's GOP opponents, the folks who are likely to push him aside in their quest for the presidency, are choosing to lean into what rhetoric in order to maintain good relations with Trump's batshit crazy manga base, where we've lost any chance to get back to a place of normalcy. Which means that even if any of these losers were able to defeat the Mango Mussolini, they would nonetheless continue to be beholden to his base of fucking crazies. And as long as that's the case, we're in for more of the same. I pray people will come to their senses and come to their senses soon, but I'm not going to hold out for much hope. When the folks who were supposed to be the adults in the room, the non-crazy ones, are now choosing to let the conspiracy mongers and the right-wing zealots spread their fucking bullshit, I fear that we are heading towards a place of no return, where we normalize hate and lies. I hope that I'm wrong, but for that, my gut says that we're already there. And as always, thanks for listening. Maya Culpa is brought to you by Audio Up, Midas Touch, and LSJ Media. Written by Jimmy Jelinek. Our editor and managing producer is Lisa Orkin. Our executive producers are Jared Gustad, Jimmy Jelinek, and myself, Michael Cohen, along with Phil Alberstadt. It may be a new day politically, but nowadays the landscape is more confusing than ever. Donald Trump may have lost the battle for the presidency, but in many ways, Trumpism is still winning the war on the state and local level. Maya Culpa is here to help guide you through the wilderness and keep you informed. And let's face it, we all want Trump, Rudy, and the rest of these seditious traitors to see justice. And folks, I promise you, it's coming. So stay tuned as I guide you through the twists and turns of the criminal process 
that will ultimately see them behind bars. Mea culpa, nothing but the truth.